And now, back to the Sun and Fun Radio Deck, brought to you in part by Green Bay Austin Straubel International Airport. And also brought to you in part by Aviators Hotline, Shoreline Aviation Insurance, and a host of others who believe in what we do. Welcome back to Chats from the Deck Live, coming to you from Sun and Fun 22, the 48th annual Sun and Fun Aerospace Expo, presented by the Florida Restaurant and Lodging Association, FRLA.org. So, ladies and gentlemen, the Uncontrolled Airspace General Aviation Podcast, the voices in your head, uncontrolledairspace.com is their website. I am very happy to bring back my friends Jack, Jeb, and Dave for their second installment, second live podcast of the week. We do one the end of the first day, so you can get your impressions of the first day. We do a morning one to wrap up the week, and uh, without further ado, other than a huge thank you for the wonderfully mutually beneficial relationship that has developed over the years, I'm going to turn it over to you guys and let you have it for the next air. Ladies and gentlemen, this podcast is not endorsed, but no, we are fully endorsed by Sun and Fun Radio. <laughs> you know, it's a, do I know you, sir? Nope. Jack Hodgson. <laughs> Thank you, David. Dave, that didn't mute Higdon. And Jeb Burnside. Turn the key, the before, noon. Turn no the key before noon. That's it. He did. All right, take it away, guys. Thank you, David. And welcome, folks, to Uncontrolled Airspace, the general aviation podcast. I'm Jack Hodgson with uh, a bunch of my good friends here, two in particular, and uh, we are enjoying another beautiful day here at the 2022 version of the Sun and Fun Fly-In. Uh, my two good friends, uh, Dave Higdon's there. Hi, David. How you doing? Uh, doing fine this morning. <laughs> and Jeb Burnside is here. Hi, Jeb. I'm fine. Thank you for asking. I, I trust you are all as well. I, I am fine. I am fine. Yeah, Although it's freezing cold here in Florida. Well, it's not freezing cold. No, it's, it's not. It's, it's not, folks. It's, this is basically the last little cold snap. This part of Florida is going to have until like November. And I only call it cold when I'm wearing my Florida hat, uh, my Florida man hat, because if I, if I was wearing my New Hampshire man hat, this is beautiful. This is beautiful weather. It absolutely is. Not a cloud in the sky, nice stiff breeze, low humidity. Yeah, David? And if you press Jeb on how he's really doing, I guarantee you the word spiffy will come up here somewhere. Or Shazam. If, if you keep pressing, the word spiffy will come up early. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you really say Shazam on I, ATC I, radio? I really did say Shazam the other day on the frequency. Um, <laughs> That's because yeah. he has a special relationship with ATC. Well, it, it, that was Jack Sinner, and yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. Those are the stories we can't tell. Uh, um, well, we could, we could tell it, but... Yeah. Anyways. I, I, I have the audio cassette, but I don't have a cassette player to play it on. I actually went searching in live ATC for the for the, uh, for that, that frequency, that, that audio. I couldn't find it. Oh, yeah, well. Yeah. Oh, well. It's, it's probably just as well. <laughs> maybe. Well, for you, maybe. But <laughs> it would have been great for me. Well, I, haven't, I haven't gotten a letter from the FAA yet, yeah. so there's that. So what kind of week has it been here at Sun and Fun 2022? Um, we've all been busy with a lot of different things and been distracted and, and so forth, so we may not have the best view of it here. But what, from what I've seen from a distance, it's been a terrific week. Um, what do you guys think? David, you were on the grounds a bit. Well, I've been here all week. Uh, and uh, as typical of the air show business, uh, you know, I, I've long told people, bring clothes for three seasons. And in the last two days have kind of uh, reaffirmed that something leaning toward winter is appropriate because 
It's bloody brisk out here. <laughs> here I am. You know, it's almost mid-April, and here I am. I'm wearing long sleeves and, and uh, still wearing shorts, but that's okay. Yeah. yeah. So we, we've had a good week. Uh, nobody bent anything that I heard about. Uh, as the forecast predicted, uh, we got inundated on Thursday. You did, about I was going to ask about that. Yeah. That, yeah. It, it, we, we just had a boomer of one of the frogs strangling rainstorms uh but it, later the same day it was just like right now uh yeah other than that it seems like it's been really really pleasant it got a little windy yesterday i understand and uh it did have some of the short people leaning a little bit to walk <laughs> up wind yeah yeah um how were the night air shows did you get a chance to watch one of those oh yeah uh i saw some pictures that looked pretty spectacular yeah it, the, the usual really nice evening entertainment. Uh, the crowds hung around Wednesday and and uh, last night, Saturday night, uh, just to catch the show. And a uh, little boom, a little bang, a lot of sparkle. Uh, a lot of our uh, old friends on the air show circuit were uh, showing their stuff uh it opened as usual with a, a, a Mustang demonstration, and then went to the serious stuff. Yeah, yeah. Shelbetter called me around nine thirty last night. This is during that night air show, and said, "There's drones in the air. You should come see the drones." Apparently, they've managed the, that whole coordinated swarm drone thing, where it makes you know shapes in the sky. And I've I've never seen one of those in person, and I've always wanted to. It, that, that was fun. Uh, it, no, it. it I, I, I'm fascinated by how they program all those different machines to coordinate for something entertaining. Goes with the music in the background. Yeah, yeah. And nobody hits another one. Yeah, it's well, like, like like they say, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. So there you go. It's magic. Um, it, it did feel like that. Yeah. Uh, Thunderbirds turned some jet fuel into noise, huh? How'd that go? I confess I didn't see it. Uh, yeah, but did you? Well, did you hear it? Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I could hear it, and uh, I escaped from the campground just about 15 minutes ahead of the cutoff because there were signs all over the campground and, and, and markers telling you that you had to be out of the campground by a certain time to open up the uh, safety zone right. for the uh, uh, demonstration. The, yeah. the Thunderbirds and their F-16s. Yeah. Uh, so what I saw of it was as they were coming down to camp, turn around, going back to show center, uh, a lot of people hung out for that, and rightfully so. Yeah. Um, we only got a couple minutes here before we need to take a break. Um, any news that we've heard about this week? Any particular announcements? Um, we talked on our other episode a little bit about this GAMI new fuel situation, and apparently there was a panel discussion with a couple of the uh, Alphabet uh, group heads do you anything know anything about that well it's been been quite a source of discussion among some of the pilots that i've talked to here yeah what, uh, what's the sense you're hearing well the, the, the consensus seems to be i'll believe it when it's coming out of the nozzle and okay. into my fuel tank but do they seem prepared to use the fuel when it becomes available well that's there's some skepticism about that yeah. and uh you know, pilots aren't exactly the most uh, accepting to change uh, among the human population. I don't know. I mean, I sort of know what you're talking about. But on the other hand, um, a lot of the 
GA circles that we've always wandered around in are very big on innovation, you know? I mean... Oh, yeah, everybody welcomes it, but I don't think anybody wants to be the first in line. And fuel's a big deal, so, okay, I get that they're being careful. Jeb, what have you heard? Have you been paying attention well, from afar like me? I, I uh, yeah, from the same distance, roughly. Um, the, um, I forget which day it was. I think it was Wednesday. Yeah. They had the... Uh, um, Town town meeting or town hall meeting or that something like that. That may be like the that. meeting I'm referring yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there were some questionable statements made mm-hmm. at that meeting vis a vis the process, uh, the the uh, where we find ourselves now. Of course, we find ourselves now dealing with son of Paffy. Paffy uh, started right. out as the um, so called so called gov- Eagle Initiative. Is that well? I'm, I'm coming around to that. Okay, go ahead. I'm pa- sorry, Paffy. Started out, of course, as the the joint industry uh, agency effort to come up with an unleaded fuel, and it failed miserably. And now we're facing son of Paffy called in, in a program called Eagle. And uh, maybe we'll have some more to talk about. Uh, uh, t- talk more about that after the break. It does seem like this fuel hits the mark that everybody was waiting on. That it is, it's blendable. It mixes with conventional av gas. No, no problems. It's uh, fuel system tolerant. You can use it in airplanes with metal tanks, bladders, uh, and it's supposed to be pretty much drop-in, problem-free. Uh, so we uh, we're, we're looking forward to seeing it show up at yeah. some FBO fuel pumps. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, we have to take a quick break here. Um, uh, the good news is Sun and Fun Radio has been so fortunate in the way of sponsors this year that uh, they ask us to drop in an, an additional break this time. So, And we're happy to do that. We're glad that they're doing well. Um, so uh, we're going to take a quick break and come back and talk about uh, some of our memories of past Sun and Fun fly-ins. But uh, in the meantime, we're going to take this break. Uh, you're listening to a special episode of Uncontrolled Airspace on Sun and Fun Radio. Hello, this is Piper Rose Lusky from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. You're listening to Sun and Fun Radio, WPEP 788, 1510 AM, and online at net slash SNF. And now, back to the Sun and Fun Radio deck, brought to you in part by Green Bay Austin Straubel International Airport. And we're back with a... Uh Continuing our episode of Uncontrolled Airspace here at Sun and Fun 2022. It's really beautiful here this morning. Um, when we were here on Tuesday afternoon, it was beautiful as well. It was a little warmer, and there were all kinds of puffy clouds in the sky. This morning, the, cl- the sky is, is severe clear. I don't see a cloud anywhere out here. Um, a little bit of a breeze. Uh, a lot of airplanes in the air seem to be uh, like GA arrivals are happening right now. Um, and uh, a lot of people just wandering the grounds, having a nice time. It's, uh, it's a beautiful... Yeah, there are some arrivals. They're using runway 9 and uh, watching a few people make some wing overs and uh, looks like they're having some fun in the, in the pattern. Uh, doesn't yeah. look all that busy, so if, you know, if you're nearby and got a, got a hankering, come on in, come yeah. on in. Don't wait much longer, though. Apparently the air show starts around 1.30, and I don't know when they close the, the airport, but uh, uh, check the notum. Uh, but come on over. Come on over. There's still a full day left here. Uh, Jeb, you, uh, you, said, you said you had a couple more thoughts on yeah, this uh, I, new fuel situation. On, on the fuel situation. Um, keep in mind that... Um, um, there are all, already unleaded fuels out there. Swift's uh, 94 UL is a 94 octane unleaded uh, avgas. It's it's uh, uh, approved in the same fashion that uh, uh, what it looks like uh, other fuels will be approved in, and that's that's a, by a supplemental type certificate. Uh, 
unfortunately, the 94 UL isn't adequate for a lot of the engines. And that's why GAMI, uh, General Aviation Modification Inc., has been working for several years uh, to come up with one. And it looks like they have. Uh, it's awaiting signature by the FAA. Uh, and that seems to be um, a, uh, a turning point, if you will, mm-hmm. for some in the industry and perhaps at the agency. Um, there's a lot of reluctance all of a sudden uh, to forge ahead and approve this for all of these engines. And I'm not sure I understand why. You know, there's, there's all kinds of cynical motivations that I could describe. But um, um, the problem is um, there's some inertia and there's some, some not invented here kind of mentality. And uh, it's a shame because uh, uh, it's holding up some, some useful and worthwhile and necessary change in the industry. Yeah. Um, nothing happens overnight. Nothing like this, I should say, will happen overnight. In that, well, we're way past it being overnight. I yeah, mean, we're, 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 you know, over the month uh, tw- kind, of, kind tw- of thing. Twelve years. That's, past, what, yeah. I, that's, that's yeah. what I was alluding to, yeah. David. It's yes. been 12 plus years. Yeah. And uh, um, with the current mentalities in, at some industry levels and, and at the agency, um, it may take another few years before this happens. But it, it, should, it should be a near-term thing, and we should be able to get past this. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think I want to make a con- quick confession here just in the hopes that it might help other people who are having the same kind of confusion I was. Um, I confess that it was only very recently that I realized that there was a difference between gamete and gamma. Okay, um, and and okay. if anybody else, that, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, so I mean, I I truly I I'm embarrassed to admit this, but I'm going to admit it that I didn't I did I I often thought I, I interchanged them when I was reading stories. Um, Gamme, let me start again. Gamma is the industry organization that has very many many industry companies and whatever as members. General Aviation Manufacturers Association. Right. GAMI, I on the end, is what a non is it a nonprofit or is it a no? no they're a for profit. All right, but they business. but they're they're sort of a, a research group. They're a they're well. You call them a disruptor the other day. Well, they are in a lot of different ways. Um, GAMI, General Aviation Modifications Inc., is a small business. Yep. Um, that uh, one of its claims to fame is the balanced fuel injection systems that uh, um, have been around for now 20 years because GAMI's been around that long, uh, much, actually longer, um, that uh, allow um, uh, operators of engines like mine, the big, big bore Continental, to run lean of peak very smoothly. Um, the, the technology is very simple. You just kind of change the diameter of the fuel injection nozzles and uh, you come out with a balanced fuel flow system. Um, GAMI pioneered that technology or that, that process. Um, it subsequently was picked up by um, the big uh, uh, engine manufacturers, Continental and Lycoming. Uh, it's, they, they've also um, developed through a subsidiary company, Tornado Alley Turbo, uh, a series of uh, turbo normalizing systems available for Bonanzas, Centurions, some of the Cessnas, uh, Cardinal RG, especially, um, that uh, do a really good job at improving performance. Mm-hmm. They're familiar with the SDC process, mm-hmm. by all means, through that, uh, through these products that they've offered. They're familiar with the industry and, and the big bore and small bore engines, and. Uh, that's reflected, I think, in the uh, the ways in which they've uh, put together their uh, unleaded fuel candidate, G100UL. Right. Um, they're not a flash in the pan. 
They're a known entity. I'm sure we've been uh, talking about them yeah. since the beginning of this podcast. A lot of people trust them. Yep. Uh, I certainly do. And um, we'll see what happens next. Yeah, cool. Anything you want to add to that, David? We good? Derek, their products work. Mm-hmm. That's what I've always liked about them. And many years ago, after the cami checkers had started to uh, uh, came more and more support, they ran some three-day clinics to teach pilots how to use uh, digital uh, engine monitoring systems to better manage their engine, their engine health, and to let them see when they were lean at peak. And the lean at peak works. Uh, some of my uh, older pilot and mechanic friends kind of go, you can't safely run an engine lean at peak. But in the research and the test cell and the products that uh, GAMI has put on the market have proved that false. That you can run Lena Peak. And I know from hearing Jeb talk about it, we're talking about some serious money in the fuel savings. Because if it lets you run a gallon of five quarts, six quarts leaner than you normally would, that's money you're not spending every hour in the air. And it adds up. Mm-hmm. They very quickly pay for the gammy checkers. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is very interesting. I'm glad we spent some time talking about yeah, it. Yeah. Um, we've kind of used up this whole segment, though. We've, got, well, we've got, still got four minutes, but uh, um, I don't want too much. I want to talk next about our, uh, our pasts here at Sun and Fun. Um, and it's a lot longer than a three-minute uh, conversation. But let me quickly ask you, Jeb, do you, do you remember when you first came to? Uh... 1999. Yeah. Uh, I was uh, executive editor at AvWeb at that point. And um, one of the things that I wanted us to expand into back then was uh, going, attending these big shows like Sun and Fun and, and Oshkosh and, and doing uh, expanded coverage of them, daily coverage uh, in some instances, and uh, really try to bring the flavor of the shows to those who couldn't make it. Yeah. And do it electronically. Yeah, okay. Do it, doing Thanks. it with uh, photo arrays and, and all kinds of different other tricks that are available on the web. And David, do you, when when did you first start coming to Sun and Fun? Nineteen eighty two. Nineteen eighty two. Yeah, my first Sun and Fun. Uh, I was uh, on the staff of Glider Rider magazine. I was their first staff writer, uh, pulp time, uh, and we loaded up the uh, the booth that we would put in one of the buildings to sell subscriptions, and then the rest of us would go to work covering the ultralight area mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in particular and uh the, the show really imprinted on me it was a little more laid back than than some of the other shows that we all attend uh the grounds then were much smaller and it made it me made it easier to work and get around from one place to another uh and it was lovely weather that year Chip ahead a couple of years, and we got so much rain during the show that we dubbed it Mud and Fun. Uh, and there were people racing undrilled bullet, bullet pods for ultralights like canoes in a flooded ditch. <laughs> 
Um, I know if this is good news or bad news, but I'm told we do not have a break coming up here. That, oh. that we own the airwaves now until uh, till up on the hour. So, be afraid. Uh, yeah, be I know. Very, very, afraid. very afraid. We control the vertical. So, so I think I do want to go into a little more detail. Let me just tell you mine. Um, so I first came to Sun and Fun in the year 2000. Um, I was at that time involved in a uh, uh, internet startup um, that was aviation related, and we were here um, as an exhibitor. You were a booth babe. I was a booth babe, and a damn good one. Sorry. Um, but uh, um, that, that didn't mute. <laughs> that didn't mute. Um, anyways, I, uh, uh, we were here as an exhibitor. But here's the fun story of that, that year. So um, it was a little, little internet startup. It was very early in the whole process. Um, and, uh, and our president, though, had, had big ideas, which is good. You want startup presidents to have big ideas. His big idea was that one of the things we were going to do as marketing was we were going to acquire one of these uh, uh, airships. Okay, um, there's a company, probably, maybe still is. I've been it's a long time since I've been paying attention to this. But there are outfits where you basically go to, and they will outfit an airship with your company logo on the side, and it would become the, you know, Foo airship. Right? I don't. I don't um, and uh, so he decided we were going to get an airship, and I'm I'm pretty dubious about the fact that we're ever going to have enough money to have our own airship. But he tasked me with calling the outfit that does this, and saying, we want to meet with you while we're at Sun and Fun, all right? And so I did, and I just kind of, like, made, like, you know, it's like, this is what you do. You make like you own the place, right? You just, tell, you know, make like it's not a question. And so, uh, but, so what happened was, as a result of this brazen claim, we managed to score a ride um, on what then was the Bud Light airship, which was the, one of the versions that came from this outfit. And, uh, and it's a very, very cool memory. I think I've probably talked about it on the podcast in the back, in the past. Um, but uh, it's, uh, uh, and, I, and I may have shown you pictures, but uh, we, we, you know, the, that one morning, that first year that I was here, we went out very, very, and it was literally O-Dark 30. It was probably before sunrise. Um, and, uh, and went out to where the... Uh, the uh, uh, airship was launching out of one of the triangles in between the runways out here, sort of near the VOR, and uh, went out and met with the crew, and they were getting the airship ready for the day, and it was it was a pretty interesting process. With uh, you know, it turns out that simply morning dew on the skin on the envelope of the airship is significantly changes the weight situation of it, and uh, and so they they're telling us how that all plays in, what they do with that, and so forth. We mount up, we climb into the gondola, and, uh, you know, it's like a, in some ways it's like a small aircraft, ca- I mean, it is a small aircraft cabin, but it's, you know, like any other that you've, you've ridden in, and uh, we each got a little seat and, uh, and launched out and went flying, um, went to the south of here. Um, at the time, that was my first time here to Lakeland, so I wasn't familiar with the area. I'm a little bit more familiar now. Um, so I don't have clear memories of exactly where we flew, but I kind of think we flew to the south for about... 15, 20, 30 minutes, something like that, um, and and then turn around and came back, and uh, uh, coming. I have vivid memories of us approaching over that, the boundary of the airport from the south, and uh, and then kind of just descending down to our land, our, our I don't know what they call it in blimp talk, but mooring, top, mooring spot. Thank you very much. Um, and uh, so that was my great one of my great memories. I have a lot of memories since then, but uh, yeah, that was one of my the year that I was a booth babe at Sun and Fun. It's interesting that same year. Yep. On my trip home, I stopped off in uh, Burlington, North Carolina. Okay, you were still living up in Virginia. At I was time. still living in Virginia at the time, and uh, the reason I stopped off in Burlington was several weeks, months earlier. 
one of my writers had gone off on our tear, um, um, kind of uh, poo-pooing hot air balloonists. Okay. And of course, that that had that that would not stand with some hot air balloonists, and they were very nice about it. But invited uh, someone at Avweb to um, go take a hot hot air balloon ride, and this was associated with um, a uh, an, a balloon event uh, in Burlington. Um, I drew the short straw, which actually was a good thing, and uh, first at at this point anyway, uh, only hot air balloon ride. No, that's not true. I've, I've, I've done a couple of others since then. But uh, it was fascinating. Mm-hmm. And you talk about the, the morning dew on the envelope and, and things like that. And all these are considerations for hot air balloons yeah, also. I bet. So that was a lot of fun. Same year, though. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've since realized over the years, all our conversations over the years, I realized that we were all here together crossing paths. For all we know, we waited in a, in a, in a, a, a food line together that year. But, uh, but that was you. Yeah, I know. Okay. Oops. <laughs> Oops. I'm, I'm now going to ask one of the sillier questions I've ever asked in the history of this podcast. David, do you have any stories from your years here at Sun and Fun? <laughs> Oh my! Uh, Any, anything involving the runway, <laughs> the ultralight runway. It was a runway Dave story, and uh, my good friend Chuck Slusarczyk, uh, founder of CGS Aviation, designer of the Hawk Ultralight. He came here with five gallons of homemade hooch. And the statute of limitations long since has expired. Oh, yeah, fortunately. And the the job that he asked me to do for him was he was having his owner's party that night, and his owners showed up and checked in. He wanted me to invite him into his trailer or motorhome and give them a sample of his quote-unquote old muzzleloader. And... Asking other people to sample old muzzleloader, of course, they'd look at you and say, well, you're having one too, aren't you? So I'd pour myself a really short one. But after I did that 25 or 30 times. (laughs) Let uh, me interject here. I have sampled muzzleloader once or twice, and this is serious stuff. It was an experience. I was very privileged once. Dave introduced me to Chuck, and we repaired to the RV and and uh, did the same thing a, a couple of times. I don't remember everything there is to remember about. <laughs> yeah, really. So, David, 25 doses of muzzleloader later. Well, a bunch of us uh, formed a group, and we went out to a restaurant that I will not embarrass by naming. And... Uh, my bride on her first trip to Sun and Fun. She's sitting next to me. And I guess I started to slowly slide under the table, at which point uh, several people in our party helped me out to the back of a pickup truck where there was a mattress. My bride helped stuff me into the mattress. They closed it up and went back to dinner. After dinner, they made a drugstore stop. And one of the things they purchased was a helium balloon, a big star-shaped thing that said, way to go. When we got back on the, on the field, they pulled onto the ultralight runways, slid the mattress out without waking me up, covered me up in a quilt, and disappeared. Hold that thought. Hold, hold, hold on to this. We're about to be, uh, this is interesting. So one of the one of the uh, legendary features here at Sun and Fun is a, uh, I don't even know how to characterize it, it's basically a large turban, 
Oh, it got quiet all of a sudden. Um, a large turbinate. Oh, you know what it is? They realized that the radio station is yeah. being quiet for us, so we appreciate that. Um, it's a huge, huge uh, uh, sort of turbine engine thing. It's a, it's a 747 on, engine. On thing. wheels. And uh, they, they're cruising by here and waving at the crowd. And uh, the coconut flyers, it says. And uh, thank you. Just married. Just married. Congratulations. Just, just married, apparently. Yeah. So that's, I don't know if you could hear it on the radio, but what the the, the music they were playing prior to approaching, and you'll probably hear again in a moment, was. Here, here uh, comes was the, the bride. Yeah. Here, here comes but the that's bride. That's got to be the biggest bubble maker I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> because the exhaust that it puts out is bubble stuff. It's like bubbles. soap bubbles, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, I'm sorry, where did we leave off, David? So they slipped you out carefully? David's on the mattress in the back of the truck with the balloon. Yeah, they pulled me out, put me on the ultralight runway. Uh, I uh, I guess I started to wake up, and my bride... What time of day is this? <laughs> midnight, oh, 1 a.m. Okay, go ahead. Uh, my, my bride threw a quilt over me, tucked in behind me, so I went back to sleep, and... When I woke up about 3 o'clock in the morning and pulled the quilt off my face, what I saw was the airport beacon. My immediate cue that I was no longer at the restaurant and I was not in my campsite. Uh, I managed to make my way back to camp, woke up uh, on time and was uh, showered and on our way to media when uh, Annie and I bumped into the first person that knew us and looked at me and said, oh, it's Runway Dave. <laughs> and the word had spread throughout the media center and a lot of my friends about the evening the night before. And it, as Jack helped illustrate, the story goes on forever. <laughs> That's great. We've all had episodes like that, except very few of us really involved in Runway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, Jeb, your story had to do with on the way home, but uh, any yeah. memories from, from here? Any, Just, any particular um, adventures? or uh... Going back to that first year, 99, um, yeah, a lot of memories. Uh, Dave was here, for example. I, I, we were uh, uh, cooperating at least on one level or another. I don't remember all the details of, of uh, uh, that year. But um, at the same time, I was this first, my first year at, at Sun and Fun, and... I was kind of uh, inundated. I, I was I wasn't overwhelmed, but there was a lot of new stuff. And and compared to say Oshkosh, um, you know things were in a different place. Maybe the same things, but you know where where are they? Where where where, where should I find them? How do I direct people to get there? And it was a huge learning experience for me. Uh, and uh, I won't say I've been back every year since then, but certainly most years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I skipped a bunch of years after after my first year in 2000, and then my first time back, and, and now steadily, well, that's not true, I missed last year, but um, when we started doing this podcast here, when we did the first time, right. um, which would have been, what, 07, I believe. Um, and uh, Sounds right. Yeah, and uh, I very much enjoy this, this fly-in. I, I enjoy both the two big ones, but I, I like this one a lot. And uh, Well, this one's... Considerably more compact yeah, it, in terms of the walking you have to do to visit the various areas. Which is not to say that it's small. It's, no, no. That's, that's, that's absolutely true. Yeah, but uh, the only thing that will really beg you to get on a tram or catch a ride is Choppertown, which is the farthest yeah, that's location a ways away. Uh, yeah, on the east end. Uh, but everything else is kind of built around 
the commercial exhibit area, and so it's like the hub, and you can go to home, home built and vintage and and uh, see all this stuff without an excess of walking. Yeah, see, I see what you're saying, but I prefer to think that it's all built around the hub that is Sun and Fun Radio. Uh, this, this, <laughs> this is the center of the universe, and it all radiates out from here. That's my theory. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. But this used to be the first aid building. Yeah. And they moved to a newer, uh, more suitable facility uh, not long after David. Yeah, although Chairman Dave's radio station started. Chairman, Chairman Dave and his crew have made some substantial improvements yeah. to this building. This looks nothing like it did back then. No, nothing like it. I mean, over the years, uh, a few years ago, we got this grand new deck that we're sitting on to do see, chats from the deck see time flies it was more than a few years ago but yes that's one of the big improvements and well, oh a huge improvement and walkway that wraps around the yeah. building and it's right at the corner of voyager path and clubhouse row so it's easy to give people directions to how to find it uh there's a uh, uh restaurant operation across the street uh there are type or type clubs down the street uh, you can see a lot of this show without a lot of walking. Yeah. And if nothing else, if you hang out at the radio station, you'll get to see the evolution over the years of Honda generators. That's true. The Honda exhibit has been there for years and years and years. And yeah, well, not, not automobiles but and no motorcycles, but all sorts of other Honda-related products. Lawn care products and generators and... Uh, I don't know if... I don't know if it's still the case. I know for a few years, anyways, they were a very generous sponsor here of Sun and Fun Radio and uh, um, helped us out, as I recall, during the, when the tornado happened, when we, we all lost power for the tornado. And, uh, and they helped get the radio station they, back on the air by they, getting power to yeah, it. Yeah, which, which was more than just sort of pride of getting the radio station. The, the radio station became a very important emergency uh, 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 tool back then to try and get information to people um, after that which turned out not to be as tragic as it might have been, but it was still kind of a scary afternoon. It was, uh, up to, that, that was the closest I've ever been to the tornado in action. Yeah. And I remember having to pull a friend of mine indoors. <laughs> <laughs> by far, that is by far my most popular YouTube video ever, all right? Was <laughs> I was I was standing in the front door here of the razors and this was before the big deck existed. I think it was just I think before the anyways, but I was standing in the doorway just just loving the the extreme weather that was going out out in front of me and I had my phone up and I was shooting video out the front front window, uh, front door. And uh yeah, and the two Daves, well there's maybe more than two Daves here, but the uh, Higdon and Shalbetter came up behind me and said said, "Get in here." get in here and uh yeah and i'm going but look it's so cool yeah and then the next thing jack did was stand behind the only glass window in the part of the building <laughs> and i'm like jack uh you know if that shatters yeah, well. it may be the last thing you remember seeing okay i was working a magazine deadline back at home and watching it all on nextrad and um um you know i showed up a few days later well, guys, hey, you know, did I miss anything? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was that was an interesting afternoon. Fortunately, no people were hurt. A lot of airplanes were hurt, and uh, that was pretty sad. Well, there are two, two specific people that have been imprinted into my mind. One was a young woman that was out here in the display area, and she heard about the tornado. She saw the storm coming, and she took shelter in the first dry place she could find, which was a porta potty 
which wound up That's, downwind about 50 yards and uh, in a ditch. Yeah, obviously the kind of decision I might make. Yeah, so yeah. But, and the other one was the uh, the guard at the at the far gate. They had a uh, a, a wooden guard, guard shack. Guard board, shack. Yeah. And it was the kind that had been built to be moved with a pork truck. It was a great big steel building just a few, well, about 50 feet away. But the first place she decided to take shelter was in that guard shack. And I think she was the uh, only injury from it because it moved the guard shack aerially, got it high enough in the air to break it when it dropped. Yeah, so I was going to say, was her, was her name Dorothy? And the poor lady broke her wrist in, in the yeah, whole Yeah, no, that's process. very sad. We shouldn't make fun. Uh, but, no. uh, yeah. But, uh, uh, one, of the, one of the memories I have yeah. uh, in the aftermath of the tornado was a few days later when I came back and my deadline met and all that. And uh, was tra- traipsing through the, the exhibit hangers and, and this kind of thing. And, and there was a um, popular uh, tie-down anchor system that uh, had been fairly widespread throughout the, uh, the community here at Sun and Fun, but had kind of failed in a few spectacular instances yes. uh, when the tornado came through. And what struck me is, is there was nobody around that particular booth in the hangar yeah. uh, that, was, that, that, <laughs> that, that few days after the tornado came Was through. the tornado before or after your semi-legendary comparative review of tie-down? Devices. You know, that's a really good question. I can't remember. Uh, what year was the tornado? Oh, trick question. I don't 2010. know. 2010. 10? That sounds right, yeah. Then um, they were fairly close together. I want to say the, the, what, the video you're talking about, I'm not going to care. I, can, I could it. look it up. But yeah, um, it was, was 09. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. it was a year later. Yeah. Anyways, well, that's, I love reminiscing about this stuff. I, uh, um, a, lo- a lot of great memories from coming here to uh, Sun and Fun and, and my visits to Florida in general. I'm curious, though, so we've been doing this podcast now for 15, almost 16 years. Um, a lot of, I don't know, water under the bridge. A we, lot of, we have no lives. Yeah, well, it's, but we've, we've talked about a lot of things over the years. I'm just kind of curious if you guys would be willing to take a minute to look back and, 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 and sort of talk about, changes to general aviation over that time are, are we has is, is the ga world different now than it was in what would have been 06 when we first started doing this um is it is it for the better or is it for the worse uh, and don't say depends <laughs> don't say <laughs> it's like um it, it it i won't say it depends but it um it, it, to answer your question well let's back up quick answers of course uh, general aviation has changed. Specifically, various elements of it have changed. Back in, well, certainly, let's let's go back to '99. Uh, back in 1999, to fly here from Virginia, from DC area, uh, have uh, uh, every all the resources I needed. I needed to carry around a catalog case filled with charts and approach plates and other paraphernalia mm-hmm. uh, that I needed to refer to to have a safe, productive, and informed flight of, I don't know, 800, 900 miles. Uh, today, I can do that with my phone. Yep. Um, so that's one specific, I, I think, uh, um, uh, momentous change for general aviation uh, specifically. 
but aviation generally, even even airliners now, are flying around with an electronic flight bag with all of their information on it, whereas it would have been notebooks uh, back in 1999. Yeah. Um, another aspect of that, and we're basically just focusing here on automation generally. Um, the other aspect, of course, is the avionics we carry on our instrument panels. We have color, we have, you know, GPS is, is uh, uh, while certainly uh, present in 1999, it's ubiquitous. Now, we have it on our watches. Um, so there, there's that level of, of uh, change and uh, evolution and um, uh, technological development that we've all seen since 1999 or even 1982. Um, so many other things have not changed. <clears throat> we're still flying some of the same airplanes we were back then. But to that point, I, well, let me come back to that. Um, can I go to David? What do you think has been notable over the last 15 years of general aviation, David? Uh, two things jumped out for me specifically. Uh, the uh, advent of the... Uh, basic med uh, uh, route to a, a, a medical. Yep. And uh, the creation of the uh, light sport community and the That's... sport pilot license. Uh, it, it it hasn't done as much as everybody predicted, as much as everybody hoped, but it still provided an avenue for a lot of guys to continue flying despite what might be not disqualifying, but limiting to under the old system. Uh, and in the light sport aircraft, gee, many Christmas, uh, boy, did it broaden the selections for two-seaters. And, and, and I'll pump one piece of information into the, the light sport rule limits the uh, airspeed, true airspeed, to 118 knots at sea level, maximum continuous power on that engine. That doesn't mean that you can't go faster than that in a light sport aircraft. Once. Sorry. Well, no. It's a, it's a UCAP joke, sorry. You, 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 if you have a machine that's capable, or maybe something with the turbocharged Rotax uh, 914 in it, uh, you go much faster as you get higher, just like any other turbocharged airplane. And uh, it makes some of these airplanes... Uh, m- more cross-country capable than some of the factory stuff that a lot of guys got into as their first airplane. So there's been quite a few changes that have been helpful, that have been for the better. Not all the changes have. Yeah. Um, Personal jets didn't take off the way we thought they were going to back in the early days. No, sure didn't. Uh, But we, uh, we persevere. We get uh, we get ourselves up and going, and take advantage of the uh, opportunities that we wouldn't have had had these changes not occurred. Yeah, yeah. Jeb, I'm sorry, I cut you off there a little not, while not ago, really, but really. Uh, um, yeah, uh, personal jets didn't take off the way we thought they might. Um, ADSB rolled in slowly and maybe not as smoothly as it might have, but it's turned out to be a real thing. I mean, it, it seems to make be a real aid to everyone in aviation. Yeah, it, it. I mean, before ADSB, specifically ADSBN, which provides traffic and weather data, um, we really only had uh, uh, satellite-based in-cockpit weather from, uh, say, WSI or XM, something like that. Um, 
and that was in and of itself uh, a miraculous uh, development. I I remember uh, um, motoring out of here one year and and basically IFR departure and and I'm I'm in the slag, headed north and get a frequency change and you know, as was the routine back then, um, asking the controller, are you showing any weather along my route? I said, nah, nothing more than the, the stuff you're already in, which was kind of an eye-opener because, okay, um, he sees that I'm, I'm, I'm in this weather already, I'm comfortable, I don't have any issues, but, um, gee, it sure would be nice to know that ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Kind, of, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And nowadays we do have much better technology. We even have the traffic that ADSB uh, in affords us. Um, ADSB out, of course, also gives us a lot of benefits. Um, kind of, you know, maybe too technical or, or uh, uh, um, disputed to really talk about here. But uh, um, I, I'm well pleased with the way uh, ADSB came came to being. We had 10 years to adapt and to configure. Uh, we're now two plus years into its uh, uh, being mandated. Um, one of those years, uh, we kind of had uh, uh, reduced activity due to the pandemic, the, the COVID pandemic. But um, since then, things have picked up and it's withstood the test of time. You know, at least, you know, the two plus years it's been mandated. It was, I've been using it in my airplane since 2016. So, um, I have a little bit more, perhaps, uh, history with it than others, but uh, yeah, it's it's um, certainly a big change to the way we do things. Certainly beneficial, and uh, um, I wouldn't go back to the old ways. Right, right. Well, no, one of the benefits of ADSP out uh, allows air traffic control more latitude in spacing the traffic on arrivals and gives them a much more accurate picture of where everything is, even in the uh, uh, big airspace. And the the, the benefits of that are showing up in uh, WASP GPS, Wide Area Augmentation System. It has brought such precision to GPS navigation. Uh, The FAA has been adding uh, precision approaches based on WASP GPS to several hundred airports a year. And that has improved the utility of those airports and the comfort level for the guys flying, the pilots flying approaches to it. Uh, And it's built into the box. Mm-hmm. You can use it as soon as it's installed, and you're checked out in the new in the new uh, uh, electronics. Uh, that, to my mind, whenever you can add a runway end with precision approach capability, you're expanding its uh, uh, acceptance rate, and that means more places to go where you can count on a, a precision approach if you need it when you get there. Yeah. How has uh, sort of the, 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 the general subject of, of aviation safety, not to quote a famous magazine, but uh, not to name check a famous magazine, but um, are, are general aviation aircraft, as a result of some of this technology perhaps, um, safer, the same safety as before, as, t- as 15 years ago? Has that changed? Have we learned how to fly better somehow, somewhere? We, well, the quick answer is we have not learned to fly better. Uh-huh. We're, we're not that much more skilled, if at all, 
than we were 20, 25 years ago. Um, <clears throat> if you look at the accident rates, the statistics that uh, are tracked every year, uh, general aviation has gotten only incrementally safer um, based on activity levels and based on the numbers of accidents uh, uh, against which we compare those activity levels. Um, there are a lot of reasons for that. Um, generally speaking, general aviation includes everything that doesn't have an airline logo on the side and some things that do. Um, we're talking about Alaskan bush flying. We're talking about aerial application. We're talking about pipeline control. We're talking about acrobatics. We're talking about uh, parachute jumps. We're not talking about flying straight and level um, for 50 miles to go get a $100 hamburger. Mm-hmm. Um, so by that, you know, if we took out of general aviation's accident statistics, if we took out of it all of the 50 nautical mile trips for the $100 hamburger, let me rephrase, if we took those types of flights alone and excluded Alaskan bush flying and aerial application and, and et cetera, et cetera, um, I, a well-maintained airplane flown by a competent pilot in good weather is just about as safe as it gets. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But around the edges, we have different things. Sure, sure. We are sadly reaching the end of our allotted time here, and uh, I wanted to uh, kind of wrap things up with a couple of thank yous. First of all, we, we, we haven't done shout-outs in a long time, but I, I want to call this a shout-out. I want, I want to just shout-out quickly to a handful of listeners that I've run across um, uh, this past week. Uh, first of all, sitting here on the deck and, and kind of just hanging out is, uh, is the, uh, the infamous and legendary Tim E., um, who uh, we've talked about on the podcast in the past. He's an uh, uh, ultra-light flyer and 150 fan and small house guy and beekeeper and from uh, Central Central Florida, and uh, we're, we're pleased to be able to get face to face and say hi to him. Um, also, uh, big thanks to our, our our great friend Jim G, who was on the podcast earlier in the week and may have may have wandered by here. I heard earlier from a listener in Brent um, who was going to stop by if he was able, and he may have while we were talking. But I just wanted to say, say to, hi to him. And uh, is that you there? There you are. Hi. So shout out to, to all of our and to any other listeners who wandered by. Um, we, we really, really love you guys. And we're, we're so glad that we've been able to talk to you all these years. Um, also, we want to thank um, we, we just can't even begin to thank enough the staff here at Sun and Fun Radio. Um, they are always so supportive of us and so friendly with to us. And they provide us such an awesome opportunity. Um, I'm afraid I can't name many of them, but I certainly can name our good friend Dave Shelbetter, who's been a tremendous, tremendous supporter of ours over the years. Um, and then finally, there's you guys. Uh, you know, I'm Jack Hodgson. Uh, that's Jeb Burnside. That's Dave Higdon. Uh, before we wrap this up, David, was there something you wanted to tell everybody? Well, if you look at the crowd here, it's proof positive that time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. See you next year. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying. Clear. But it's just airplanes, so it's not, it's it's, not really no this is This is the best seat in the house. It's, it's got a runway in the front yard. <laughs> 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 <laughs>